0: This is another episode of After Dark with Robin Andrews. Thank you for joining me tonight. My special guest host is Heather Robinson, who was on with us last night. And tonight we were teasing you with the topic that we're going to discuss, and it's New York City. And it could be actually any city today that is experiencing a breakdown in society of law and order and Unfortunately, that's what we're experiencing here. So Heather, she came back. As you know, she's guest host before. And we were talking last night about crime. Heather wanted to bring it closer to home to describe to you guys what she has experienced here in New York City, having gone to Pennsylvania during COVID. She came back and she saw everything was locked up. Then she went back and she just saw the transformation of the city a once vibrant place and it's still vibrant but unfortunately there has been over the past i'd say the 3 years that covid hit a rise in crime and it has become a city that neither i or heather recognize or a city that i mean we love this city but it has become something very almost sinister and dark Because you're constantly reading about the stories of people being harmed in the city. Just today, when we were doing the pre-work, I sent to Heather a couple of articles of a 47-year-old person who was robbed inside a New York City subway. There was another woman whose head was smashed with a rock. There was another woman who was going to her apartment, and unbeknownst to her, there was someone behind her, and he shoved her in the apartment. He raped her and then he killed her. We've seen stories of people having shootouts, the broad daylight. We've seen kids being harmed. There was one shootout, I think in the Bronx or Brooklyn. There was a drive by and this man, instead of protecting the child, he held the child up as a shield. And we can't forget the Daniel Penny situation whereby a former Marine was on a train along with other passengers, going their own little, going their own way. And Jordan Neely, a homeless man, mentally ill, threatened to cause harm to himself as well as the passengers. And on the train, there were passengers that were black, white, and this Marine, this guy, Daniel Penny, he didn't see color. He immediately went into action to protect the folks on the subway. And he grabbed this guy, Joyton Neely, and put him in a chokehold, and he was aided by a black man and another guy. I think the guy might have been Hispanic. But during the chokehold, he released him, and unfortunately, Joyton Neely died. The police came, they took a statement, and Daniel Neely was free to go in his own way. But after a while, the story leaked to the media. And as we all know, the media did what it does best— by exacerbating the story and saying, oh my God, look at what happened here. This white man, he killed a black man and how could he do this? And this is horrible. This is awful. One thing led to another and they arrested this guy, Daniel Penny, a white guy. And our attorney general, well, the, what is, he's not the attorney general, he's a prosecuting attorney, DA, district attorney, convened a grand jury. And of course they indicted him. Meanwhile, I think about a month later, a similar incident took place with the gentleman by the name of Jordan Williams, who happened to be black. He and his girlfriend were on a train, and they were accosted by a homeless man. Now, I don't know what took place, but in the end, the homeless man was killed after he slapped Jordan Neely's girlfriend. I'm J- not Jordan Neely, but Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams was arrested. He got an attorney. They convened a grand jury, and they decided not to indict. Again, Jordan Williams, a black man, Daniel Penny, a white man. And there are so many other stories like this, I'm sure, that are taking place in middle America, small town America with crime that's just gone completely out of control. And we have district of attorneys who have decided not to prosecute, to catch and release. You have criminals that are committing crime, and then they're telling the police, oh, no, it doesn't matter. I'll be out by noon. This is not a way to run a society. When there isn't law and order, Heather, there's anarchy. Things fall apart. People fall apart. And we can point the fingers at this person or that person. But if we're being honest with ourselves and being honest when we look at this, as we spoke last night and we said, it is the failed policies of the Democrat Party, the failed policies of these woke progressive individuals who Are just just headstrong on destroying society because in their eyes, all of the laws were created by the boogie man who happens to be white. Mm -hmm. So we have to deconstruct, we have to tear it up and start over. But the problem with that is that where do you start? And if you're gonna look at crime and say that it isn't a crime, well, you failed coming out of the gate because it is a crime. I read in one news article that Beyoncé knows mom, Tina Lawson. Her mansion in Hollywood was broken into, and the thief got away with millions of dollars and jewelry, diamond, and cash. Well, this woman lives in Hollywood. She's supposed to be protected with security guards. I don't know how the heck someone got into her mansion. If I were her, I would definitely demand my money back from the security team. I think about a year ago, there was a record producer. His wife was killed. Yes. And the story goes on and on and on. But yet, still, people will vote for these Democrats and their policies, and then they will cry, oh, look, at the crime is out of control, what are we going to do? And as I said on one of our shows, Heather, I don't feel sorry for these people.
1: Well, you I know... I don't. I hear you, Rob. I do. I, I think that one of the things that's happening is the district attorneys in these big cities, including uh, Alvin Bragg in, in New York, and um, uh, I think his name is Gascon in... Um, out in california um i think it's in los angeles and many others in in big cities are getting i don't and i don't honestly i don't understand how this is exactly possible how one person can exercise such disproportionate influence but my understanding is that george soros who's a billionaire has created nonprofits and somehow funneled money into the campaigns of radical leftists across the country. And, you know, it must be said that I don't agree with the Democrats either, but these people aren't even mainstream Democrats. They're radical leftist extremists like Bragg and Gascon, Um and they believe in this, this, this defund de- stuff. They, it's like they do not want to do the basic job of a prosecutor. They don't want to prosecute anybody. There's all this idea. Um, you can't treat people the same as we're all human. We're all equal under the law. And, you know, th- th- there's this idea that you have to have different standards in terms of, you know, how you treat people uh, legally because of systemic racism and the past and all these things that are nebulous that can't be quantified you know but the reality is you can roughly quantify crime if you you know one person does something and someone else does something similar there has to be a common standard for us all but you know these are the new ideas that you can you can just pick and choose who you prosecute based on the social science theories, not based on the facts of what happened. And it's, it's I think that's the real problem, even worse than the elected officials, you know, are these district attorneys. And um, well, I guess they are elected, but they're my understanding is that their campaigns are being funded by the hard left and i'm not sure exactly the dynamics but my i've heard that eric adams the mayor of new york has tried a little bit to do some things i don't think he's quite as radical as the district attorney alvin bragg and you know that that's who decides who you know whether there's revolving door and you know whether everybody gets let out and there's no bail and People are prosecuted not based on the evidence and what's known, but based on, you know, what what's, you know, the political winds and and people's color. And I mean, he's an activist DA. And I think that's the biggest problem, Um, even worse than the Democratic, you know, mayors, et cetera.
0: Yeah, but still, I mean, when you look at this, I don't think I don't give Eric Adams any leeway because I think that his inaction speaks volume as to the person that he is, Mm -hmm. because he can go in and he can petition Kathy Hochul and he can say, look, there's too much crime that's taken place. And the people that they're claiming that they're trying to protect the innocent, the, the ones who can't defend themselves Black people are being impacted the most by these criminal activities. I know,
1: I know. it's including children. And it's
0: including it's, children.
1: It's, Rob, you know, God bless you for saying it. I feel like i it's hard for me to say it because I've had people attack my sincerity, call it whataboutism, call me a white nationalist, all kinds of things. But I really have concern for children in this country, for all children. I just. It breaks my heart to see these little children be in the crossfire. These are American children dying by the hundreds every year. In a time when I, you know, I know some people don't get very defensive if you bring it up in this context, but we're we're being told and reminded and exhorted to deeply um, reflect on the reality that Black lives matter, and of course that's true. I don't like the organization Black Lives Matter but I agree with the the truth of the statement but how can we not look at what's happening at the slaughter of these innocents if 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 we we understand their lives matter how I mean it's so I mean the tragedy is what's happening but there's this added irony to it I think that's just it's obscene it's like during the summer of 2020, I remember reading in the New York Times that twice double the number of, of children died on the 4th of July that year in gunfire as compared to the year prior. And of course, we know gang violence is a problem. It's an ongoing thing, but there was double the number of children in American cities. Most of the minority children killed in the crossfire on the 4th of July. The, in the year we were being told that we have to honor the 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 value of black lives, and you know, it's like we're people making the connection that all of this poor, this this demonizing of law enforcement and standing down of the police and abandonment of any sense of order was was resulting in the deaths of more children. And how can people feel good about all of this that's happening if if the outgrowth is more deaths of the most innocent among us. I just honestly, I'm at a loss, Rob. I don't, you know. I, I, I guess you know people would say that's two different things, but they are related. When you, when you don't have um, a muscular law enforcement, it's the innocent who suffer the most, you know. And I just don't see how people can't care about that more.
0: Well, well, they don't care, and like you said, it the innocent, our children, and they throw the children out there to get sympathy, but do they really care? I don't think they care. They say that they care, but they won't put a stop to this. We talk about war where men, women, and children, but mainly women and children, are killed, but there's a war that's taking place right here in our country, And children are being slaughtered, literally slaughtered. You look at Chicago where children start planning their funeral, what they're going to wear at an early age.
1: Oh, my. And it
0: shouldn't be that way. A child should be a child. But our society has gotten to the point whereby people say that they, they care, but they don't care. Look at what's being taught in our schools. We mentioned this last night with the indoctrination of our children with sex education and bringing drag queens into the school to read, I can't, I I just can't wrap my arms around, why do we need a drag queen in the school when we can't get grandma and grandpa to come to the schools and read? Why do these men have to dress up like freak shows, the freak shows that they are, to read in front of our kids with this wild outlandish makeup What is the purpose? And no one can tell you the purpose. They'll just say that you're a bigot and you're a bad person. But when you say, but what makes me a bad person? Because I don't want someone coming dressed up like a clown to read to my children. Most kids are afraid of clowns. But here it's like, it's okay. It is this disintegration of our society at every turn, every point. We're falling down. There's no one to stand up and to call it out. Well, I take that back. There are people who are standing up and they're calling it out. I'm doing it. You're doing it. And there are many other people on the right that are doing it. I heard the other day that there is a congressman from Atlanta, Georgia. Her name is Misha Maynard. She's a Democrat. She's a black woman. And she's now changing parties because she said that she's fed up with the Democrat Party and their Mm -hmm. promises to make things right as far as our school systems. She said, we've been waiting for 50 years. And they keep saying, oh, just wait on us. We're going to change it. We're going to change it. But nothing Mm -hmm. has changed. She said the same thing for gun safety. When back in 2020, as you mentioned, there were a lot of Democrats saying to defund the police, defund the police because of what? Because George Floyd got killed by one bad cop. We have bad doctors all over, and no one says, stop uh, funding doctors. We should defund the doctors or our teachers. But this is how the Democrats, they're successful in their corrupt messaging. So you now look at society, and you look at the crime level that has just exploded at every angle. And then they want to look back and say, oh, well, what caused this? And it's the Republicans, they wanted to defund the police. No, simply because we're saying we want to hold the FBI accountable, we're not saying to defund the police. We're saying that we're going to hold back money on those corrupt FBI agents. I think it was Senator or Representative Tuberville from Alabama who says that he wants to withhold all funding from the Department of Justice and from our our National Air Forces or uh, the military until they answer some of the questions as to what they're doing with the military. And people don't like that. And Jim Jordan came out the other day and he said, and I think this is worth mentioning, that the FBI should be moved from D.C. and sent to Alabama. Because if you move it, and I've always said this, if you start moving these agencies out of D.C., you will get a fresh crop of people who are sincere, who will understand the job, and they won't bring a political angle to the job. The way we have it now is that there are too many people with these political angles, and that is the reason why our society is bleeding. Our society has fallen down, and you have this criminal activity all over. And there's, there's a song that says, I think it was by a singer, a lot of singers sing it, Whitney Houston made it really famous. God bless child, and that's sincerely what we have to say because we're not just impacted the adults. We see the carnage that happens with adults, but yeah. our children—we're taking yeah. away the, our children. We should care our future. for them the most, Rob. We should care. Yeah,
1: really, adults we should. should prioritize children more. And I, you know, this is maybe controversial what I'm about to say because I know that there are things that I can't personally understand so well that there are abuses of you know things that are excessive toward adults including adult black men for instance with you know being stopped a lot being um harassed sometimes by the cops and um i'm sure you know that that's that's a set of issues that plagues people and aggravates people and inconveniences them you know and i'm sure that there are Trans people who are being picked on because they're different and, you know, being discriminated against, all of that, I'm not dismissing. Um, But I think that even those people who are experiencing things that are unpleasant, unfair, um, painful, I think that even those people maybe should be asked to just reflect on taking these, these concerns to such an extreme that other people the, the, the bulk of society, including children, wind up suffering. you know the idea that that the concerns the valid concerns of these adult people should take such extreme and total priority over any other consideration um, is I think something that's unquestioned by a lot of people. Nobody says, well, look, I think we should reform. The police and try to be sensitive to the concerns of some black men who are being, um, you know, viewed with, uh, untow- you know, a level of, of suspicion or maybe their civil liberties are being infringed upon. And that needs to be, uh, you know, examined and uh, changed. And, you know, uh, you know, trans people who are being fired or being excluded, uh, or having a hostile work environment that needs to be addressed. But, you know, I think that to take these things to such an extreme that, um, it's, how can I put it that like, I mean, at least if you're an adult, you know, whether you're, you know, whatever you you can exercise some control and you can have some, um, you can, have, you can choose to behave in a way that minimizes your odds of being hurt by the police or, you know, uh, you know, you can assert yourself in a situation if somebody's discriminating against you. I mean, I'm not saying that that should be okay with you or that you shouldn't organize and make your voice heard about it, but to to completely villainize and render impotent the police, okay, so that you are never exposed to any kind of inconvenience or momentary fear, you know, to, to make kids uh, have to hear about very rare and um, unusual, atypical psychosexual problems, you know, so that you don't experience ever any awkwardness in the workplace. I mean, at a certain point, you know, the, You can't, you know, I I knew a wise person who once said, you cannot make a world for anybody. None of us gets a world made for us, no matter who we are. Some of us are more privileged than others. Some of us are luckier. But I can guarantee you, whoever we are, there are going to be circumstances that we're not going to like. We're not going to be treated with perfect fairness. We're not going to have you know, ease and comfort and fairness every minute of our life, whoever we are. I mean, so you can't really expect the whole society to radically alter itself, whoever you are, especially as a grown person, so that you never experience anything that's unfair or um, stressful. And I, th- I feel that that's what some groups, you know, extremist groups in this country are are demanding. They're demanding that everyone including little children, you know, be more endangered so that they don't ever have to encounter any fear or unpleasantness.
0: Right, and- but Heather, hold that thought. We've got to go to commercial break. And we'll pick back up on that about little children and the fear that they have. You tuned in to After Dark with Robin Andrew and the America Out Loud platform and my special guest host tonight, Heather Robinson of the New York Post, we'll be back after this commercial. Break. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made CoFixRx nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CoFixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Hi, we're back After Dark with Robin Andrew and my special guest host, Heather Robinson. And when we went to break, Heather was just talking about the children and the innocence and the things that they're going through and, Things that we we always hear about adults that are being killed and, oh, we've got to do this, we've got to stop this, but who's actually focusing in on the children? So Heather's going to pick up where she dropped off before we went to commercial break, and then we're going to segue into what Heather is seeing, what she saw since co- pre-COVID, during COVID, and then after COVID. Go ahead, Heather, finish your thought.
1: Just, you know, that that I think that, look... As a, as a grown person, we have a certain amount of control over our lives. That doesn't mean we should be abused, and, but at least we have a fighting chance in any situation, even if we are being unfairly t- treated. I think that we should all, adults, Americans of all races, sexes, religions, I think we should all get together and say, you know what? sometimes life sucks and sometimes life isn't fair. But one thing we can all agree on is the children should not be killed. I mean, that's the most intolerable thing. More intolerable by far than an adult being scared by another adult, or being having their civil liberties temporarily infringed on, or having a hostile work environment, or any of these things. I mean, all of these things are serious issues, but none of it is worth sacrificing children. You can't get rid of the police if it means more children are going to die. You can't um, just in, inculcate little kids with confusing ideas about adult sexuality, because you want everybody to view yourself as normal. And some people, you know what, aren't going to view you as normal, whoever you are. Some people aren't going to like you. They're not going to want to hire you. I mean, adults need to stop expecting a perfect world and think about others for, you know, for, for a while. Think about children. Think about the country. Not stop thinking so much about themselves all day long and their you know, raucous, extreme political agendas to serve the self. You know, it's, it's disgusting. I mean, it's selfish. And, the, you know, life isn't about everything being perfect for you as an adult. And I think the hard left, you know, has, has made this into a, um, you know, a fetish that, that, you know, grown people should receive. And we talk about snowflakes and this and that, but it's not just the college students I mean, it's it's adults, it's people, it's it's people who act like, you know, everything from, you know, getting a funny look from someone or not getting, uh, you know, perfect uh, treatment somewhere is, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to anybody. And the whole society has to be turned upside down and the police have to be defunded and the schools have to be revamped and people have to you know, completely echo the gospel of, you know, whatever they believe about their sexuality from the time they're, you know, in kindergarten. And, you know, this, this world has to essentially it's demanding that the world be remade for them beyond just protection of their basic rights, you know, but, but so that they never have to ever feel that they're not normal in anybody else's eyes. And it's just, it's not a realistic, um, expectation. And I think that the Democrats and the hard left especially have become like a party of pandering to exquisite sensitivities of different groups of adults who feel that their feelings and their, you know, precious asses are the most important thing in the world, more important than the lives of children, more important than law and order, more important than the country and they're basically holding the country hostage. And I think that people, I think that people have had enough, and, and we should have had enough a long time ago. Don't you, Rob?
0: Absolutely. When we see the carnage just taking place all around us, we would like to think that people have had enough. But as I said in the first block, I don't feel sorry for any of these individuals, especially when they keep voting for the same people who keep putting forth the same policies. And then you want to cry, oh, woe is me. Why why is this happening? Well, you know what is happening because you keep voting for the exact same people. If you vote for them, you're going to get their policies. And as I've been saying lately, stop looking at Trump, the person, and look at Trump, the policy man. Look at the policies that they're doing. Because, as you said, Heather, the first thing the Democrats would do if you even consider voting for anyone on the right, they'll say, "Oh, well, you're a white supremacist, or you're a bigot, or you're this." No, I'm for justice. I want to save your life. I want to protect you. I remember Daniel Penny was saying this when he gave an interview. They he did it did not really an interview, but he taped when it happened that that ill fateful day when he had to put. Uh, George Neely and Chokehold, he said, I wasn't looking at color. I was looking at people that were on this train that could be harmed, that could be killed. And the media came out with a different narrative. Truly, they are the enemy of the people and they will destroy us. They, we are being destroyed from the inside out. Yes, we should be concerned about China. Yes, we can be, we should be concerned about our other enemies that want us dead but the media is not doing us any harm because they aren't reporting on the facts. We see the criminal activity that's taking place on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. People are being killed. People are losing their lives. Families are losing their children, their young babies, kids who will never see adulthood, who will never see being a teenager, who will never be able to play on a school sports team, who will never go to a prom, who will never get married and have children because of the selfish policies of these adults who yeah. don't care. The only thing that they're consumed with is power. That's all they want is power. And because the media have aided and abetted these crooked politicians and to make anyone who de- who goes against them as and label them as a racist or a white supremacist, even a black person, oh, you're racist, you're white supremacist. You look at Joy Reid, look at how she's always demonizing black Republicans. Look at the women on The View. Look at Sonny Hostin, how they're demonized any Black person who says that I'm a Republican. I'm a Republican because I like their policies. I mean, when this woman in Atlanta, Misha Minor, said that Mm -hmm. I am leaving the Democratic Party because they have been lying to us for the past 50 years about education and we're going to get it right but they haven't gotten it right. If they had gotten it right then, we wouldn't need to worry about affirmative action and how many kids are in school because we would know that these kids have the same education as a white kid or anyone else. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing that. And the same thing with safety. She said that she's tired of this and there should be so many other people tired of it. But the media knows that if they report the truth, you will have a huge swath of black people saying, wait a minute, this is crazy. You guys have been telling us for the past 50 years that Republicans hate us because they're white supremacists. But look at what they have done. If they were to stop and look to see what they have done compared to what Democrats have told them they were going to do and have not done. It is time for a change. It makes no sense that our large cities are controlled by black mayors. Look at San Francisco. Look at New Orleans. Look at Baltimore. Look at New York City. They're controlled by Black mayors, and they still can't get it right. At one point, we were saying, oh, well, if we could just see ourselves at that level, we'll get it right. But you're there, and you haven't gotten it right. Barack Obama was in office, and what did he do specifically for Black people? He was supposed to be this shiny light so that Black men would see this and say, wow, we can do this too. But it didn't happen. This man brought in more divisiveness and more division, whereas when Trump came in, black men said, "Why we like this guy because he's talking our talk. He's being direct. He's not holding back. He's talking about doing things yourself. And they identified with that. They could not identify with Barack Obama.
1: Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, the black unemployment rate was the
0: lowest in American history. The lowest. It went down to 3%. It was the lowest that it had been since the, right. seven, the, the, and the and 70s. And
1: Trump's presidency. I mean, clearly people want jobs. You know, and, and whatever he did in terms of the economy,
0: it helped. people, Heather, people felt safe. When you look at the Democrat Party, as I said, the party leaders that are over our large cities, People don't feel safe. Now Uh, they're slowly coming out and they're saying it. You look at um, Chicago. They have a new black mayor. They have a new black mayor in Chicago. mm -hmm. And they're saying the same thing. We don't feel safe. Well, if you don't feel safe, what are you going to do about it? When a Republican is the mayor, when Giuliani was the mayor, he went into Brooklyn, into the Bronx, and he said, this is where a lot of the criminal activity is taking place. We're going to get rid of it. Now, it's unfortunate that we had Abner Louima that took place. There was another African uh, immigrant who was killed. It, it, yeah. That's unfortunate, okay? Yeah. But still, overall, when you look at the total sum of it, Black people felt safe. And they were and they, safe. And they Exactly. They, they felt safe, safe and they it. were safe.
1: Yes, you know, I was just in New York, and I was walking um, way over on the west side near Chelsea Market at one point, point. Um, and well, let me just say, I was there for about three weeks and had a good time, but I was accosted, well, I was accosted once on the street by a, an aggressive homeless man. Another time, I was nearby when an aggressive man was threatening to kill people on the street. Um And then there was another incident where a fellow wandered up. He wasn't aggressive or menacing or, you know, he just seemed very high and he was seemed like a nice guy, but he basically stumbled into my friend and me when we were eating outside at a table, um, you know, at a restaurant, he was clearly on drugs. But so, I mean, there were three different incidents in three weeks that I was in the city and I listen, I'm fine. I was fortunate. Nobody put hands on me, you know, but there's no question. I mean, the city has changed. I mean, you used to see unfortunate people, homeless people. I've volunteered many, many times in homeless shelters myself. I don't demonize the homeless and or the homeless mentally ill. Uh, First of all, in my experience, the majority of them are nice people. They tend to be meek, um, mild, hence perhaps their sad, you know, sort of um, position at the bottom of the heap. Um, But something has changed. I mean, the people I had interaction with, you know, there were some homeless folks like that who were sadly just lying in a heap on the ground. There were a lot of folks like that I saw. But I don't know whether it's that people who are mentally ill are picking up on the vibe in the city that they can get away with it and that they are being more aggressive or whether the people who are um, violently and menacingly, threateningly mentally ill are just not being held as much because laws like Kendra's law are not being utilized under this district attorney. I I don't know, but there's no question that I mean, I lived in New York for over 20 years and, um, you know, I saw a few things through that time, but I don't think in all my 20 years there, I was, you know, within two weeks. I mean, I don't think more than once was I ever, I, I was never accosted on the street. I never had someone get up in my face and start screaming. I never heard someone threatening to kill people on the street. You know, not in 20 years of living in New York, but that I saw that and heard that twice and had another guy stumble into my restaurant table, you know, all within three weeks of being there. So there's no question that, you know, you have to be looking over your shoulder in New York or else you're, you're just being naive. And I don't know how people do it who are elderly, who have baby, you know, who are. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, uh, you know, uh, Wonder Woman, but I'm in decent shape and I'm fast and I'm agile. And I, I got out of the way, you know, but if I were an elderly person or I were frail, the one man, my friend and I were walking down the street and this guy and listen, I'm not vilifying the guy. He was out of his mind. I mean, he, I don't think he knew what he was doing. He came up into my face and started screaming. You need help. You need help. Like, like, just two inches away from my face. And I just kept walking and tried not to show any fear or any reaction. And fortunately, he just went away. So that was one thing. But I mean, then the more frightening thing was when I was over on the west side. You know, with a, another friend, we were walking, and there was a man threatening to kill people. He, I think, he was threatening one particular other man. He was saying, "I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you." You know. And people were just like dispersing and trying to get away as quickly as they could. And I sort of, you know, the person I was with like was across the street in a flash and I was kind of, approaching some garbage cans that I kind of couldn't get away easily. And like I said, I mean, fortunately, nothing bad happened to me. He didn't come after me. He was focused on somebody else and that person got away. But then I I saw a couple security guards standing there and I said to them, I, you know, I said, should I, should we call the police? You know, this person's threatening people. And they said, oh, no, no, mm. nothing, you, you know, it won't do any good. And I had a, a little dilemma because I felt like I wasn't scared for myself at that point. The guy had gone, but I thought, you know, this guy was repeatedly threatening to kill. He sounded out of control. Am I just becoming one of these people who just doesn't get involved, you know, because it's like, none of us wants to be labeled, you know, and for the sake of this man himself, you know, he's out of control, but and, and for other people, if someone should do something, But, you know, what these other men told me was they just said, you know, he comes out every day and he just does things like this. And, you know, like calling the police won't do any good because they'll just let him go and just don't get involved. So I don't know. Do you think I did the wrong thing? I just I didn't call the police. I just went along my way and hoped for the best. But I was I, I felt some misgiving about not calling
0: the police. No, I think you did the right thing. I, I, well, let me put it this way. I don't think there is a wrong or right thing that you called the police it would have been perfectly okay because you have a madman who's out there. Now, whether or not they would have done something is a different story. And it's unfortunate because that's where we are in this society. Police officers... They're afraid to do anything lest they get yelled at. I remember there was a homeless woman in my neighborhood. I called the police and they said, well, is she attacking anyone? Is she doing this? I'm like, no, but she's there. She's ranting. She's raving. She's defecating on the streets. And I said, well, we can't do anything about it. I'm like, what? But see, these are the policies that the left are putting out there. Leave them alone. And we mentioned this last night. How is that humane to allow a person to live on the streets, to take care of all of their bodily functions and whatnot, on the streets it's wrong now we we're up against another commercial break we're up against see. another commercial break and when we come back heather we're gonna i want you to share your story we keep teasing people about it uh as to what you encountered when you came back to the city you're listening to after dark with robin andrew on the american outlaw platform and my special host tonight is heather robinson we'll be back after this commercial break america out loud beats to
1: the pulse of our nation we know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad,
0: and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Outloud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. And we're back with the last half of After Dark with Robin Andrew. And I had teased you with this last night with Heather and I, and we tease you with it when we open up, that she's going to share with you her account of coming back to the city. And we've been talking about it slightly, about what we've encountered with the city that's going downhill. And so many other American cities are experiencing the same thing. But Heather wants to give you like a first hand as to what she actually felt and what she saw. As she mentioned to you during the last half of how she was accosted she and a friend by I guess a, a homeless man who was ranting and raving. And now she's gonna give you more as to what this city was like and during before COVID, during COVID and after and what she's experiencing. So Heather, go ahead and do it because if I know if we don't start now, we'll be up against mm-hmm. the time and we'll keep talking. But if we don't finish it, again Heather will be coming back. So Heather, go for it.
1: Well, I think that the deterioration has begun before COVID during Especially De Blasio's mayoralty, where you saw tons of you know disorder, bikes whizzing around like lunatics, you know, almost knocking into people. A bunch of old people and other people were killed by the bikers. That was actually Bloomberg's genius idea to put bikes on the streets of cities that a city that wasn't built for that. And um, then by the time De Blasio came in, things were getting even more out of hand. But I think that covid hit of course it was hard i was back a few times during the covid period and i actually kind of enjoyed new york in that period in a way you had to be careful because you did see like some men lurking around at night when there weren't many people out but new york was kind of a ghost town remember rob i mean you you sort of toughed it out the whole time i think but you could walk around in midtown during the day and like there were hardly any people on madison or fifth i mean it was it was it was surreal and it was kind of nice um sadly a lot of businesses were shuttered bodegas small business everything from the nail salons to restaurants a lot of people going out of business which was sad and The aftermath of the riots, you saw, um, you know, windows and doorways busted up. And and then I think throughout this, that coincided with the legalization of marijuana in New York. And I remember coming back a couple of times, you know, a year or so ago, and everything starting to smell like weed. But this last time that I was just there, I have to say, sadly, I think, I mean, I had a nice time because I was with friends. But I think it was the deterioration is more advanced than it has been at any time, you know, since I kept joking with one of my friends, who's a liberal, I didn't want to argue with her about politics. So I just, whenever one of these things happened, I said, well, it's New York in the seventies. We're in the seventies. Let's get big seventies hair and just make the best of it. Because I mean, it reminded me of what I've heard. New York was like then. you see um, everything's locked up. In a drugstore, you walk in, the ice cream, shampoo, forget about the razors. You want to buy anything, you have to press a button and wait a couple minutes for someone to come unlock it for you. You walk down the street, you know, of course, New York in the summer often smells because of, you know, the garbage, but I thought it was worse this time. I saw, you know, rats and I, you know, again, the worst, you know, for everybody, including these, these mentally ill people themselves is the out-of-control, mentally ill, aggressive people roaming the streets. It's dystopian. That said, I mean, it's still a place of great creativity and vitality. There are some new restaurants that have opened up, uh, clubs, Broadway's back and forth. I was there a couple times. Plenty of people there to see plays. I saw the revival of Funny Girl, which was good, with Leah Michelle, who was terrific in the role. And so it's that dichotomy. There's still a lot of great culture and art and, and cuisine and diversity of people and creative people. My friend Tembi and I went to tea, <coughs> pardon me, beautiful high tea um, at a place uh, on Irving Place. Um, so you see talented people creating and existing and thriving amidst all this, this, Mayhem and disorder and scary stuff. So it's you know it's like the old New York of the '70s. What can I say? Very sad though to see Mayor, Mayor Giuliani's legacy undone.
0: And it was undone, and it was un, what it was replaced with was complete chaos. But Heather, what was the most striking thing that you noticed when you returned pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic, Did just really right. What what stood out? you mean
1: during the pandemic because i was back like i i've been back to new york about four four or five times from the beginning of the pandemic to now so do you mean just this most recent time what stood out the most or in the midst of the pandemic in the midst of the pandemic what stood out the most was the ghost town quality of this great metropolis seeing Um, these beautiful skyscrapers be erected and very few people on the streets of this. It was almost like being a kid. If you ever went to school, your school building after everyone was gone for the day and it was all empty. That's a little bit how I felt walking around Midtown at one point. I guess this would have been like 2021. And uh, there was like no one there. But this time, what stood out the most was the feeling of, of fear, I hate to say it, but there was an ominous feeling because of these incidents that I witnessed and kind of became a part of where I was being, you know, I and friends were being aggressively approached on the streets. And that was disturbing. I hate to say it, but other than being with my beloved friends, I mean, that's the most memorable thing to me about the recent time that I was there.
0: It's, and it's unfortunate that we, you're having to encounter this, as you said. I mean, at one point, you could walk around the city in the stark of midnight and not have a care in the world, not worried about anyone's going to accost you. You were safe. And even as a man, I don't feel safe. I can take care of myself, but then there's that fear in the back of your head. If I take care of myself, if I protect myself, I could go to jail. Mm -hmm. I could go to jail while a criminal, someone who's coming to accost me, can do so with impunity and no one thinks anything about it. It's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the stench in the city, not that the city smelled like, you know, a uh, a rose garden, (laughs) but (laughs) the the, the stench now. (laughs) it's unbelievable it's pot Mm. it's human feces it's 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 out of control it's completely out of control our great city i know that giuliani managed to tame the beast and we gotta be honest heather When he tamed the beast, there were so many people on the left that did not like it. I heard so many stories of people saying, oh, Times Square looks like Disney. I don't like it. I like it when it was gritty. I like it when people, when, you know, we had all of this. I'm like, are you serious? Oh, the prostitutes, they were in the meatpacking district, and it was so wonderful.
1: Yeah. Like, what is wrong with these people? It wasn't just the complainers. Yes, well, there's that. But at the institutional level, he got such huge pushback. He, all the bureaucrats and there was huge effort to prevent him. He, he really showed such leadership and he was such a force. He, he, move forward with his his agenda despite i remember huge institutional resistance from the left in new york they just they were just obstructing him at every turn i don't remember all the details but he really um you know he did he did bring a strong arm in and listen i'm not saying he was perfect maybe there were some things that were excessive i know you know bloomberg felt and crisp was
0: right but heather let me say this we don't even have to to bring that up because whenever we're, t- we're t- when people talk about something that's good that happened we we, we always have a tendency say a tendency of saying and i do this myself well yeah i know that the person had false it doesn't matter let's look at the good that this person brought look at how he tamed the city in every profession no one is perfect i guess that's what i'm trying to say no one is perfect so we know that there are some things that people aren't gonna like. but his heart was in the right place and it was such in the right place that he was able to tame the beast. He was able to bring law and order. And then came along de Blasio, who's getting ready to, he's separating from his wife. Their marriage is, I think it was a complete farce in the first place, but that's neither here or there. He came in and destroyed everything that Giuliani had built and then Bloomberg had carried out. Just destroyed it. I mean and the summer of twenty twenty was a perfect opportunity. And now this guy gets rewarded with a some type of professorship, I think at Harvard or Yale. What is he gonna teach? Public policy, how to destroy a city? <laughs> I would not want my child to take that course. But see, this is what liberals do. They fail up. They destroy a city. They destroy things. And then they're (laughs) rewarded. Look at what happened to Mayor Lori Lightfoot. The exact same thing. And it is because the media (laughs) will not call them out. You look at all these FBI agents who just completely ran amok the FBI. And then you have CNN. And MSNBC giving them jobs.
1: Yes, not to mention the Clintons and their speaking circuit and Chelsea Clinton getting a something like a six hundred thousand dollar a year as if there even is barely such a thing in journalism. Journalism job with no experience. I think she did that for a little while anyway. I mean, we are all chumps of the hard left and the Clinton-Biden crime families, I think.
0: And it's horrific. It's horrible. So mm-hmm. do you do you think that this the city could come back? Well, for me personally, I don't think it could come back under Mayor Adams. I think we have to get rid of Adams. Adams is a complete loser. Uh, He's he has delusions of grandeur. He wants to be the president. He thinks he's more than what he is. He's picking these ridiculous fights. He's calling people and saying that they're trying to disrespect him. I'm like, dude, they disrespect anyone who's a politician. Simply because this woman was questioning you does not mean she's disrespecting you. But see, he went down that path because he knows, hey, this is a winning path. If I were to stop her right now and say that she's being a white supremacist, no one else will criticize me. And I will have complete reign. I can do whatever I want to do because if people try to criticize me, I will throw out the card. And he's supposed to be the mayor of New York City. I wonder if anyone have, if any of, if any of the people who voted for him, if they're having voters remorse. Uh-huh. I didn't vote for him because I knew that the guy was a he was an empty suit. Yes, he wears a four piece suit, but he's an empty suit who's only there because of diversity and equity. And that is what happened when you have white guilt who's looking at him and saying, oh, well, it's time for a black man, another black man. But what is he bringing to the table? The same thing with affirmative action, as opposed to putting the most qualified, you're just putting a person there to fit or meet some quota. Well, Meanwhile, the city is falling down. And when yeah. we look back on this, who do we point the finger at? We'll, well have I to point the finger.
1: As bad as Brad,
0: personally. I think I think, they, the, I think they're both horrible. I think they're both well, horrible.
1: I, think Adam, I don't know a lot about Adams's decisions. I know that after um, that, you know, death of Jordan Neely, Um, you know, the Daniel Penny situation, which the trial hasn't happened yet. But I know that Adams did say, and I give him a little credit for this. He said, don't pass judgment. You weren't on the train, something like that. You don't know. This is what we have trials for. I mean, you know, he said a few things that I think, well, he is a former police officer. And I think my impression of him is that he's a little less radical and unreasonable. But I think his hands are tied to some degree with some of this stuff because of Brad who was put in by Soros. I think that the DA is the worst. I, I think that, you know, really in terms of the crime and things like that, I I don't know. I But I think that Adams might want to get a little tougher, but I don't think the mayor, I, can the mayor do anything? I mean, if the DA is letting everybody go, I don't, I mean, that's where the legalities of it and all that come in, you know? And I know that they've had some conflict, um, you know, uh, Bragg and the mayor, So, I mean, it may be that there's a little more he'd do if he could, but, you know, I think that these DAs, these radical DAs being installed across the country, I think that is the worst, the most pressing issue that we're facing. Yeah,
0: and, you know, it, it, yeah. It, is a, it is a worse and is a pressing issue, but I, I still put them both in the same bucket. Uh-huh. What can what can Adams do? He can go and he can talk to Governor Hochul. They can have a meeting of the minds and say, hey, we've got to put the kibosh on this because we are destroying our city and I'm destroying my legacy as a black mayor and I don't want it to go down that way. You look at the former police chief, Kinshia... Uh, she has a, uh, what, what was her name? Uh, she, I can never get her name right. Kinchette, who just recently stepped down because she felt as though she did not have control of the police department the way she should have. Now, we're up against the time once again when we just get, get going into the conversation. We've got to close out, but I want to thank you guys for tuning in to After Dark with Robin Andrew and my special guest host, Heather Robinson of the New York Post. She will be back and we will continue this discussion of the failed policies of the Democrats. And God bless the child, the children who are on the forefront who are being destroyed because of these weak policies of the left. Again, thank you for tuning in. And as Andrew would always say, stand for something, a fall for nothing. God bless. And we hope to see you next time on After Dark with Rob and Andrew. Good night. Thank you.